listening to Inherited Danger, book two of the Dawning of Power trilogy, a podcast novel written and read by Brian Rathbone. For more information, maps, and additional downloads, visit brianrathbone.com. Thank you for listening. Chapter 18 Kindness, unlike most things, becomes greater when it is given away. Versus Macadilly, Healer Rolf led them to his home, which was painfully similar to the one Katrin had grown up in, and his wife, Colette, pulled her aside. Come with me, Elma. Let's get you cleaned up, shall we? Thank you, Lady Tillerman. You are very kind, Katrin replied trying to match Benjen's accent and fearing it came out sounding contrived. Colette laughed a light, tinkling sort of laugh. Lines spread from the corners of her eyes when she smiled, but the sparkle in her eyes spoke of inner youth. I'm no lady, that's a certain. Call me Colette, she said, and Katrin was struck by her kindness and the similarity between these people and her own. These were good people. They were not filled with malice or spite. They led simple, wholesome lives, and she felt a kinship to them. The realizations made the entire conflict seem even more ludicrous. She had no quarrel with these good folk, and they harbored no ill toward her. Yet it was their blood that was being shed, that of their children. Katrin began to think of these people not as the Jean, but as the people of the Greatland. The Jean were the ones who desired war, and all others were simply their victims. Colette led her to a private room that held a large iron tub. Take off those filthy clothes and I'll bring you some bath water, she said. But Katrin drew a sharp intake of breath when she saw a pair of deep brown eyes peering through a crack in the wall, and Colette turned. Jessup, you scoundrel! Shame on you! That's no way to treat a guest! Off with you! Straight to your grandpa you go, and tell him what you've done, and don't think I won't check with him either, she said, and then she turned to Katrin. Forgive him, my dear. He's young and naturally curious, and you're a fetching lass. Katrin flushed crimson. She certainly didn't consider herself fetching, and she eyed the crack in the wall with trepidation. Colette smiled kindly and covered the crack with a towel. He'll bother you no more, I assure you of that, she said as she left Katrin to her privacy. And Katrin was certain she was correct, for Jessup's cries rang out loudly as he received his punishment. Katrin felt bad for him and wished they wouldn't spank him on her behalf. She'd always hated being punished as a child, and she felt Jessup's shame as if it were her own. Only the luxury of the steaming tub could pull her thoughts away, and she eased into the water, which soon turned black with mud and soot. Despite her efforts, her skin would not come completely clean, and she settled for mostly clean. As the water began to grow cool, Katrin emerged from the tub and she toweled off her raised flesh. 
Colette had left fresh clothes for her, and Catherine shook her head. She seemed always to find herself donning the clothes of others, while a stranger washed her garments. She supposed she was growing accustomed to it, for it did not bother her as much as it had in the past. The loaned garments were over-large and well-worn, but they were clean, dry, and not uncomfortable. An alluring aroma wafted into the room, causing her stomach to grumble, and Catherine was grateful when Colette handed her a bowl of broth. It was a light soup made of potato and onion, but it tasted delightful, and it warmed her soul as much as it did her belly. I wish there was more to share, my dear, but times are hard, Colette said with a sad smile. It's wonderful, and I'm thankful for your generosity. I only hope I'll be able to repay you in some way. Nonsense. It's our duty to help those in need, and you owe us nothing, but I appreciate the thought, she said as she brought Katrin a small loaf of bread. The crust was dark and hard, but the inside was light and airy, unlike the bread made on the Godfist. Katrin did not mention it for fear of revealing her ignorance. Perhaps this type of bread was common in the Greatland, and she did not want to raise any more suspicions. Katrin did not mention it for fear of revealing her ignorance. Perhaps this type of bread was common in the Greatland, and she did not want to raise any more suspicions. Benjen and Rolf joined her in the common room, and Benjen looked much better after his bath. His clothes were strange, but they fit him well. Katrin rummaged through her pack and brought out some dried fruit and cheese that she shared with the rest. Good cheese, Rolf said with his mouth full, and Colette scolded him for his manners. A young boy came in meekly, refusing to meet Katrin's eyes. From his shamefaced look and the awkward walk of one with a sore bottom, Katrin guessed this was Jessup. When she offered him some dried fruit, he accepted it with tears in his eyes. Rolf gave him a steely glance, and Jessup raised his red eyes to hers. I'm sorry, I peeked, Lady Alma, he said with a catch in his voice. He looked to be no more than seven summers, and Katrin could not be angry with him. It's all right, Jessup, long as it doesn't happen again. Agreed? she asked the flush returning to her skin as all eyes rested on her. Yes, ma'am, he said, and he retreated from the stairs. With a shove on the door, he was gone. Takes after you, Colette said with an accusing glance at Rolf. Don't glare at me, woman. I didn't peek, though I can't say I blame the boy. You're the prettiest thing to grace this house for some time he said with a wink at Katrin, and she blushed anew. Benjen nearly choked on his bread, and mirth danced in his eyes, but he said nothing. Leave the poor girl alone, you wretched old man, Colette said, and she stood behind Katrin as if guarding her virtue. We can put you up in the barn for a spell, Rolf said, ignoring his wife's glare. It's not much, but it's dry. There's straw you can bed on, and we've some blankets to spare, so you won't freeze to death. Elma can sleep in my room, came a voice from outside, 
and Colette chased Jessup off with a broom. Off you go, you naughty child. You've caused enough trouble for today. I thank you for your hospitality, Benjamin said. We should leave on the morrow and will not outstay our welcome. I've a brother in the south, and I hope to find work there, for my livelihood left with the fire and flood. Tough times for all, these are. Come, I'll show you to the loft, Rolf said, and they followed him to the barn. All but two of the twenty stalls were empty, and those held swayback mares. At the far end of the barn, a ramp led to the loft, which was not a difficult climb even for Benjen with its affected limp. Many of the bales were broken, and loose straw lay in mounds. Katrin tossed the blankets Rolf had given her over one mound, and she did what she could to form it into a comfortable bed. The crisp night air frosted their breath, but beneath the warm blankets, she and Benjen quickly dropped into sleep. Looking out over the Falcon Isles and the seas beyond, Nat found himself in awe of creation. Blue skies harbored fluffy white clouds continually morphed by gentle breezes. Nina stood at his side, tears streaming down her cheeks, seemingly overwhelmed by the beauty of nature. Slowly, Nat extended his hand until it brushed against her fingers. For a moment, he seemed frozen in time, waiting for her to respond. At first, she seemed not to notice, but then a thrill ran through him as Nina's fingers closed around his. In the next instant, her grip was all that kept him from tumbling over the ledge as his vision clouded and his knees would no longer support him. Wrapped in a frilly dress, Katrin danced and spun. All around her dangers lurked, like grisly thorns waiting to snag and entangle her. No reaction registered on her face as if she were oblivious to the threats, and only sheer luck kept her safe. Slowly, the vines encroached, surrounding her and constricting. Still, Katrin danced. Never before had the vision seized Nat so utterly and completely, and never before had the vision been so clear. May the gods have mercy on her, he said. When the morning sun crept through gaps in the walls, Katrin rose to stretch her sore muscles. She and Benjen had slept later than they had in a long time, and felt better for the rest. As they climbed down the ramp, Katrin saw a group of men, Rolf included, leaning against the fence. The men faced a pasture that was occupied by a single black colt. Katrin was shocked to see a bow at Rolf's side, and she moved in to investigate, Benjen hobbling along at her side. Their stomachs rumbled with hunger, but her curiosity won out over her appetite. Ho oh, there, Rolf, Benjamin said. You don't mean to shoot that colt now, do you? Aye, Canergy. If we can't catch him in any other way, I'll have to wound him. No one's been able to catch him so far, and his time's a running short. 
He still wears his yearling halter, you see. And if him we don't get it off soon, he'll be ruined. The army's left us only three horses, and I need him for breeding. Twill be a blasted shame if I have to shoot him. But what else can I do? Katrin could not believe her ears, and she could sense Benjen's inner struggle. He could catch the colt, but it would reveal his deception, for he could not do it while faking his limp. May I try? Katrin asked, and all eyes turned to her. She's good with animals, Benjen said. We've nothing to lose, lass, but don't get yourself hurt. He's a feisty colt, and you'd not be the first to be injured by him. To be honest, I don't hold out much hope for it. No offense to your skills, but in a field that big, it's darn near impossible. Katrin was not offended by his lack of faith, but she did not attend to chase the colt around the pasture. All that would do was wear her out. Have you a length of rope and some soft cloth? she asked and her question raised more than one eyebrow. Obviously intrigued, Rolf nodded and went to retrieve the items for her. When he returned, he handed them to her with a curious look, but he did not ask her what she would do. He and the others chose instead to simply watch in silence. Katrin walked to the fence, inspecting the posts. When she found one that did not wiggle when she pushed on it, she tied one end of the rope around its base. After a few tugs to ensure its stability, she tied a noose and stop knot on the other end. The blanket she used to pad the noose, and she tested it by looping it over her own head several times. Once she was confident she could quickly secure it over the colt's head, she climbed through the slats of the fence. The colt watched her enter the pasture, and he raised his tail as he trotted in a wide arc, challenging her to catch him. But she did not even look at him. Ignoring him completely, as if he did not exist, she walked into the pasture and sat on the ground. With the noose in her lap, she picked blades of grass and inspected them, as if that were her only reason for being there. The men stood at the fence, and no one spoke a word. A tense silence hung in the air. For a while, nothing happened, but Katrin was in no hurry. She had all day if that was what it took. After she picked the spot in front of her nearly clean of the coarse grass, though, the colt became curious. He approached her from behind and nipped at her shoulder before charging away. Again, Katrin ignored him. He returned two more times, and each time he stayed longer and became bolder. At one point he put his head over her shoulder and nudged her with his nose, but an instant later he wheeled and snorted. Katrin hoped his inquisitive nature would continue to get the best of him, and so it did. On his next return he stuck his head into her lap and nearly knocked her over, which was the exact moment she had been awaiting. Quick as a striking snake, she looped the noose over his head and rolled away from him as he panicked. She was not quite quick enough in her escape and received a cloud on the head for her troubles. Her goal, though, had been achieved. The colt fought wide-eyed against the rope that held him fast. The stop-knot prevented him from crushing his own windpipe, and the post remained firmly rooted, 
much to her relief. She watched and waited as his struggle became wild, and he threw himself against the restraints with abandon, but still the post held, though it did begin to move a bit more with each yank. In a desperate move, the colt tried to get a running start, but when the rope went taut, it knocked him from his hooves, and in that moment, Katrin sprang, leaping onto him and straddling his neck. With her weight firmly settled just behind his ears, the colt could not get enough leverage to stand. He continued to flail, but Katrin spoke soothingly into his pinned ears. After a few more moments of struggling, the colt surrendered and stopped fighting. The yearling halter was already cutting into the colt's growing flesh, and Katrin could see that Rolf was right. Left any longer, the flesh would have grown around the overtight halter. As gentle as she could, she undid the buckle and pulled the halter from his head. Have you a halter? she shouted, and the stunned men sprang into action. Rolf returned moments later with a much larger halter made of leather and brass. He handed it to her and let her do the honor of placing it on the colt. Careful to avoid the newly exposed flesh, she slipped the halter on. The colt struggled under her weight, but was still unable to rise. Lead line, Katrin said, and it came out as an order, but Rolf didn't flinch. He just handed her a lead line. Once she had it secured to the halter, she pulled the noose from the colt's head. Have you a stall ready? Yes'm, and I'll have the aisle cleared, Rolf replied, and Katrin prepared for the most dangerous part of her task. Using her hand to keep her weight on his neck, she climbed off and stood. As soon as she took her hands from his neck, the colt stood. He tried to fight her for a time, but she was skilled at avoiding his kicks and strikes, and she refused to let go. They spun in circles, and she slowly edged him toward the gate. The men backed away and allowed her room to move as they left the pasture and entered the barnyard. Still they spun, and still Katrin moved him toward the barn. When she tried to get him through the open doors, the whites of his eyes showed and his panic increased, but much of the fight was out of him. First stall you can get him into will be fine, Rolf said, and she made for the first stall on the right. The door was narrow, and the colt balked. He strained against the lead line and halter, which Katrin knew must be painful on his raw flesh, and the pain increased his frenzy. Smack him on the rear, Katrin shouted, and Rolf rushed to comply. In an instant, the colt went from resistance into a leap. He struck his hip on one side of the doorway and nearly trampled Katrin in the process, but he was in the stall. He struck his hip on one side of the doorway and nearly trampled Katrin in the process, but he was in the stall. With a quickness born of skill and fear, she unhooked the lead line and fled the stall. Rolf slammed the gate shut behind her. The colt paced the stall restlessly, still blowing from the workout, and Katrin dropped to the floor, blowing nearly as hard as the colt. Benjamin and Rolf reached her side as soon as she hit the ground and checked her for injury. I'm fine, she said, just winded. We owe you a great debt, Elma, 
You saved that colt, and you've given us back hope. With him available for breeding, we can replenish our stable yet. Didn't even have to shoot him, Rolf said with a broad smile. Never seen the likes of that, I tell you. You're a clever girl indeed. Katrin blushed at his compliment, and her stomach practically roared in hunger. Rolf heard the rumble and seemed to recall himself. You've not eaten yet. Shame on us. Come, let us feast to your success, he said, and she gladly followed him inside. As Rolf entered the cottage, ducking his head under the low door, Colette stepped in behind him and cuffed him on the back of the head. You great oaf! How could you let that poor girl catch your cold on an empty stomach? Rolf made no argument, and Colette turned to Katrin. I saw what you did out there, Elma. You're brave and smart as can be. Couldn't be more proud of you. To celebrate, I pulled out our last cured ham. We'll eat well this day, for you've given us back our livelihood. You don't even know how many times those men tried to catch that rascal. And here you pluck him in a single morning. Tickles me, she said, and she gave Katrin a warm hug. Did you see that, Grandma? Jessup asked as he stormed into the house, and rather than wait for an answer, he acted out the entire scene. His antics sent laughter into the air, and it was one of the most joyful moments of Katrin's life. She had truly helped these good folks, and it warmed her heart. Still, she felt guilty for eating the last of their meat. Are you certain you wish to serve the ham? Soup would be fine. Nonsense! You've earned a good meal, and I'd say the first foal born should be yours as well, Colette said in a tone that left no room for argument. The meal she served was nothing short of spectacular, given the circumstances, as she broke out the best of their stores. Ham, bread, and cheese were accompanied by sugared nuts and apple cider. Very little was said as everyone enjoyed the meal, but it was a merry silence. A weight seemed to have lifted from Rolf's shoulders, and he looked younger than when they had met. You've got to name that colt now, Colette scolded Rolf. I don't think no good rotten son of a common hussy suits him anymore. Rolf laughed from his belly, and his laughter was contagious. Katrin's full belly soon hurt, and joyful tears ran down her cheeks. I think I'll call him Elmhart. What do you think of that, Elma? I think that suits him just fine. I'll take pride in his naming. That you should. That you should, Colette said, nodding her head. As much as I hate to leave your hospitality, Benjamin said with a hand on his full belly, we should be on our way. We've a long way to go. I'll not send you off on foot. No, sir, I won't. I may not have a horse to spare, but I've an ox and an old ox cart. If you'd be willing to help me fix up the cart, I'd say you more than earned it, Rolf said, and Katrin's jaw dropped open. That's far too generous a gift for us to accept, she said, and Benjamin nodded his agreement. I'll not hear it. No, I won't, Rolf insisted, and Colette added her vote to his. Are you sure you can do without? 
Ah, uh, I must admit our gift is not all that it'd seem. Curly's no prize. He's cross-eyed and unpredictable, but he'll pull a cart. Besides, in a few weeks, that colt'll be broke, and I can use him to pull the plow if and I needs to. We'll be fine. Rocks tumbled into the ravine as Lissa tried to regain her footing, the heels of her sturdy boots finding no purchase amid the brittle layers of shale. Using her gloved hands, she slowed her fall and eventually came to a stop. Before her stood only open air. Below, a sheer face that raced to meet the river valley far below. Using the skills Maurif had taught her, she climbed slowly back to safety. He'd always been a mentor to her, and had listened to her when no one else would. She wished he were with her now. But she knew even he would make her go back. Make her face what everyone seemed to think was her responsibility. Her duty. No one could make her face that. No one. Instead, she made the choice for her people. She would rather they perish as free people than survive as slaves to the Jean and kites. Better to be free, she thought, as she searched for food and shelter. Better to be free. That concludes this episode of Inherited Danger. Thank you for listening. For the latest news and new releases, be sure to check out patioracket.com.